welcome to an episode of Beyond Our Borders, conversations with Atlantic Canadians who are impacting the world. Each episode will bring you key insights, tools, tips, and tricks in life and in business from the best and the brightest from this corner of the world. Andrea Jansen is a sought-after professional leadership coach with clients all across Canada. Her passion is to put you on the track to not just set your goals, but to achieve them. Andrea helps make things happen and has developed tools and programs for you to do just that. Her mission is to close the gender gap in the workplace. She is also the host of the Diversity at Work podcast and a Forbes Coaches Council contributor. Welcome, Andrea. Tanya, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. We're very excited to have you. Andrea, I start my podcast with the same question for everyone. No need to be nervous. <laughs> but what has been the biggest challenge for you in life, uh, you know, could be professional, personal, that you've had to overcome to be the person you are today? I think the biggest one recently is I think when I stepped away from working in the corporate world to becoming an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest challenge was my own self. So there are these beliefs that I had about myself, about what it took to be successful in business. And I spent most of my career in corporate as a marketing mm -hmm. person. And as I made this shift to being a leadership coach, to being an entrepreneur, I doubted myself so much. And even though I went to coaching school, and in coaching school, we learned tools to get clients over self-doubt, it's really hard to do it on yourself, and they show up over and over and over again. So just things like not believing that I could do a talk, or not believing that I could start a podcast, or not believing that a big company would want to hire me mm -hmm. to to work with them. So I think that's probably the biggest challenge for me as I kind of stepped away from corporate and became an entrepreneur. What was it that helped you overcome, you know, the doubts and the fears? You know, what were the steps that you took to do that? So I think one of them was just getting coaching, to be honest. So I remember this moment, and it's so clear in my mind, I was invited to do a panel discussion at mm -hmm. this conference in Halifax for the Chamber of Commerce called Wonder Woman. And it was like right. secrets of successful women. And it was at the very beginning of my step into entrepreneurship. And they asked me to be on this panel. And it was the biggest imposter syndrome moment I right. ever had. And I remember I was doing coaching because coaches get coaching. And this coach looking at me in the eye and saying, Andrea, how is this serving you? How could these feelings of imposter syndrome? And I'm like, no, it's not possible. Like, this can't be helping me because I cannot go on this stage and and talk because I don't have anything to say because I am not right. successful. And he just kept pushing and he made me answer the question. And the only answer I could come up with was, you need to be prepared, Andrea. Like, prepare, do the work, practice right. the questions. And it's so fascinating. So I was on that panel with a friend of mine now, Leah Rimmer, and we run together twice a week in the mornings, which is amazing, and we met through that panel. And the other person on the panel was Eleanor Beaton, mm -hmm. and she actually came on my podcast. I know you've 
interviewed her yeah, as I, well. I love Eleanor. Um, and I had her on my podcast in the summer, and I told her that story, and she said, Andrea, you know, it's when you're doing the work, when mm-hmm. you're putting yourself out there, other people see something. So you may not have felt mm-hmm. like you were successful at the time, but clearly somebody did because they yeah. put you on this panel. And it was just such a beautiful turnaround to have someone acknowledge that because at the time I didn't really feel like – I was capable. I didn't really feel mm-hmm. like I was a role model. I didn't mm-hmm. really feel like I had anything to share. But other people out there silently believed in me and gave me those mm-hmm. opportunities. And I think just doing the work and recognizing that it is hard mm-hmm. and shifting the mindset that being if you're going to accomplish anything, it is going to be hard. And if you're not feeling scared, if you're not feeling imposter syndrome, it probably means you're way too comfortable. Right. And so for me, I – you did a lot of work on my own mindset and lots of personal reflection, lots of coaching to realize that that's kind of what it is. And mm-hmm. it's almost like now I look for those opportunities to get uncomfortable and I could shift my mindset to be like, no, this is not that I'm not ready. It's that I need to step up. I need to practice. I need to make sure that I can deliver. And this is where I'm going to learn. This is where I'm going to grow. This is where I'm going to get better. Right. And that's kind of where, yeah, how I got to where I am today. Thank you for sharing that. I know um, it's incredibly hard to step out of your comfort zone, and I think a lot of us can relate to that. Um, I do have a question about that coming up. But first, I want you to take me back. You know, uh, you know, you were in this great career in marketing. Why did you leave that? And why did you, like, specifically want to become a leadership coach? So that's a really good question. And so I would say there's this narrative that I hear a lot and I see a lot on social media of women leaving the corporate world because they're burnt out and it wasn't a good place for them. That is not my narrative. So I actually (laughs) loved the corporate world and did pretty well there. And, And I liked it. I thrived in that kind of environment, but I always had this burning desire in my heart to be an entrepreneur. Like I have memories of a grade nine project where I imagined myself launching this advertising agency and having clients. And I always, and even in university, I took a bunch of entrepreneurship courses and they made you do a business plan. And all of the signs were there that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I went to corporate because the opportunity was there and I did well there, but it's like, kind of like, have you heard of the golden handcuff or like the comfort zone again? Like I was doing well in corporate and I lived in Toronto and there's lots of opportunities there, especially in marketing. So people move around a lot. So whenever I was bored or ready for the next challenge or even wanting a promotion, so I literally would ask for it at the company. And if it didn't Mm -hmm. happen, I'd be like, okay, I need to find it somewhere else. So I would go find another job and I would get that promotion there. So it was For me, from kind of the outside, it sounds like that was hard, but it was comfortable for me because I knew how to do that. And I never pursued this desire to be an entrepreneur. And then on maternity leave, so when I was on maternity leave, I don't know if you could tell, but I don't like to sit still. (laughs) (laughs) Even right now. Right? Yes, even right now I can't sit still. So I started doing resumes for people while I was on maternity leave. And it came to the point where I do a resume, someone would get the job and then word spread and friends were coming over to my house and I would say, okay, hold the baby. I'll help you with the resume. (laughs) We'll do a mock interview. And then one of these, it just, people just kept coming. And then one person said, you should start a business. And I said, okay, let me make it a side hustle. So I did a bit of a side hustle. And then 
maternity ended, so I went back to work. And then we had this opportunity for my husband to move so to Halifax. And so that was my chance. That was my opportunity to pursue entrepreneurship. So I'm mm-hmm. like, I am not, I'm going to make a conscious decision to not look for a job when we move. And coaching was going to be my thing. So, because I had this resume business and I wanted to learn more. And so I went to coaching school and then I realized coaching is so much more than making a resume and getting a job. Right. And that's kind of what springboarded me to going into mm-hmm. this. What's the difference between a leadership coach and a life coach? That's a great question. Yeah. Someone else actually asked me that question um, mm-hmm. last week. So the main difference is I help people mostly with their professional goals. And mm-hmm. I work with companies. Well, I work with companies, but also individuals, but really focus on the business and linking human behavior to the bottom line. So engaging people to be more ambitious. So figuring out like what makes them tick, what's going to motivate them, and aligning mm-hmm. that to the goals of the company so at the end of the day, the person feels more fulfilled, they're excited to go to work, but they are also delivering to the bottom line of the company. Right. So linking it all together versus a life coach is really focused on personal goals. Do you also work with entrepreneurs? Um, a little bit. So my yeah. main kind of client is corporate, is like people that work mm-hmm. in bigger companies. But lately, I've had a bunch of entrepreneurs approach me, and it's really the same process. And it's just like, I feel like my secret sauce is linking the human side of business to the bottom line. So it's all about making money at the end of the day. So if you're feeling great, but the revenue is not there, right? Like you're not going to feel good for that much longer. So right. it's really about kind of linking those two sides. So when it works, it's it's this really the same process that I take bigger mm-hmm. companies through and entrepreneurs. But I do have to say, one thing I've learned from working with entrepreneurs, it's probably been about just a year that I've had um, a significant amount of entrepreneur clients, is that the self-doubt that entrepreneurs have is like, a hundred times worse than for people in the corporate world. And I knew that from myself, like I mostly was working with corporate clients and I know they experience it as well. It's like a human thing, Mm -hmm. um, deadening yourself. But the more I talk to entrepreneurs, the more I realize, wow, we are so hard on ourselves. Like we are the most critical of ourselves than anybody else is. Do you work only with women? No, so I actually work with both men and women. And Mm -hmm. it's interesting, like going back to this idea of being an entrepreneur, Uh, When I first started, I took any client. So anybody, I would just do anything because I wanted to get Mm -hmm. the business off the ground. And going down the road of women kind of happened by accident. So I was, I had another business before with a business partner. That was the first business that I started when I finished coaching school. And that didn't go well. So I walked away from that business. And it was right after I had my third kid. So things were not going well for me. I had a lot going on. Right. And I started learning about the gender gap. And then I read this article about women's ambition in Canada. Mm-hmm. And it really shocked me. So it said that two thirds of Canadian women would not take their boss's job, even if it was offered to them. And this was based on a I've survey. read that I yeah. was based on a survey of mm-hmm. 1000 Canadian women 35 to 45. And I was like, Oh, my goodness. I need to do something. What is happening? (laughs) What is happening? And then it was like looking in the mirror. It's like, okay, that's me. And I never Mm -hmm. thought, like, I have an MBA. I went to coaching school. I had a big network. I had a great resume. And it was literally like, oh, my goodness, I am the statistic of the woman that has given up on her career. And that was my motivation. So I posted Mm -hmm. about it on LinkedIn. 
And then someone said, Andrea, can you do a workshop for me about this? And of course, I'm an entrepreneur. I said, yes. And then I did it. And at first, she wanted me to do it for 20 people. And then a couple weeks later, she said, can you, do you think you could handle 40? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Because I said yes to everything um, at the time. And then on the day, it was like 60 people showed up. And I'm there, and I'm like, okay, I'm scared, everything. Anyway, you push through, you make it work. And then I thought, you know what? If I can fill a room of 60 people here in Halifax, I think this is my thing. (laughs) (laughs) So then that's how I started going down that road. But it's interesting, um, this idea. I always talk about ambition. So being ambitious, Mm -hmm. figuring out what ambition means to you, because it's Mm -hmm. different for everybody. Um, I was actually going to ask you that next. Um, Yeah. You know, how do you define ambition? So how do you define it? So the, so after I read that article about women, and it also said that 83% of women, these Canadian women, um, were somewhat or not really ambitious, I got so curious. So I did some research. I learned more research. There's lots of studies that talk about the ambition gap between men and women. And I looked it up in the dictionary. So that's always my default when I don't know something. I go to Wikipedia or the dictionary as my first. <laughs> I think that's everybody's place. go-to, Wikipedia. Wikipedia. But I have to look at the dictionary if there's a word I don't understand. So I'm like, what does ambition actually mean? And it's the desire to achieve something, mm-hmm. typically requiring determination and hard work. And where people get stuck is they haven't defined what that something is. So if you don't know what you're striving for, the determination and hard work is not worth it. Because you get lost. Because you get lost. And like, why would you put in the work? Right. Right? So, and then taking it back to leadership, I was like, okay, why are these women not wanting to take this leadership job, Mm -hmm. even if it's handed to them, right? And it's like, they don't see it as a payoff. They don't see it as something to strive for. And it's like, really, it's what can we do is we can help people figure out like what ambition means to them. And so Mm -hmm. that's been kind of like the cornerstone of what I do. So... Do you think that maybe women have been held back because, in my experience, ambition can have a negative connotation? A hundred percent. You know, whereas an ambitious man is expected, but an ambitious woman is, uh, you know, it has more of a negative connotation when it comes to a woman. I hope that things are changing. Do you think things are changing? Um, I would say we're starting to have different conversations, right. but I know exactly what you mean by you said the word ambition is mm-hmm. negative because people mm-hmm. say, Andrea, you talk about ambition all the time. Your coaching program is called Reignite Your mm-hmm. Ambition. It's not for me. And people are turned off by the word because I think it's this idea that you're climbing the corporate ladder. You're working towards someone else's expectations. But really, it's like flip it and be it about yourself because you have personal ambition as well. It's not just about work. I think maybe people may attribute, you know, maybe that you're ruthless if if you're incredibly ambitious. And I don't think that has anything to do with reality at all. I mean, you just... You just told us what, you know, Wikipedia and, you know, and the encyclopedia says about the word ambition and it's about achieving, wanting to achieve your dreams. And I think that's an absolutely beautiful thing. And so that's where you step in. Mm-hmm. That's where you step in to help guide us. Yes. Well, I just want to go back to the question about men too. So after absolutely. I started talking about ambition and this way of like connecting what's important to you and what drives you as a person to the corporate world, a a bunch of companies actually approached me and said, we want you to do this for for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had clients in healthcare and financial services, 
want to do this. So I, now I'm just working with everybody because also from like a diversity perspective and accelerating women in the workplace, there's been mm-hmm. a lot of conversation between women about what yeah. it's going to take to get women into leadership, to make the workplace better for women. But really, we're learning that it's actually not a women's issue. It's a cultural issue. And if we want to change the culture, we need everybody on board. Yeah. So it's just kind of my business and the way of working is really evolving. So as I learn things, mm-hmm. I apply it right away. So this idea that being ambitious, it's universal. And right. men, women, it doesn't matter. And if we look at it together, how do we support each other? What barriers get in the way, whatever they are, and how can we work together to well, get over them? Well, dreams are universal. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't get any more fundamental than that. You know, you've been doing this a while now, and you have clients all over Canada. Um, where do you think, is there a pattern that you've observed, you know, where do women tend to go wrong in the advancement of their careers? Okay, so that is a really good question. And I think I have been exploring probably the past six months um, this concept of sponsorship and understanding that people have heard this, hard work doesn't get you ahead. It just gets you more hard work. Mm. Um, And this idea that women, you show up and you put your head down and you work and not understanding the value of social capital. Because I feel like for most of my clients, like every company has a performance review system, like a you know, a form on the computer that you fill out every year. These were my goals. This is what I delivered. A lot of people think that if you do that, if you follow corporate protocol and do what your boss says, you're going to get rewarded. But that is not the case. The reality is, is that decisions on who gets promoted, who gets a raise, who gets put on those stretch assignments, a lot of that happens outside of the formal process. So it happens in casual conversations. It happens networking. It happens just through people that you know. So I think where a lot of women need education is this idea that you need to leverage your social capital. You need to know who the decision maker is. And because a lot of the times your boss is not your advocate. And that is just the reality. Like your boss, sometimes you do have an amazing boss that will open doors for you and advocate for you and kind of go out on a limb for you. But most of the time that is not the case. And most Mm -hmm. of the time, the decision is made a couple levels above. So Mm -hmm. getting yourself out there, instead of, I like to tell people, put your head up. Don't put it down. Put your head up, Mm -hmm. and you'll be able to see opportunities. And this idea of understanding your ambition, it's like, go a little bit deeper. What are the things that you need to thrive at work? And figuring that out. And when you do, you're going to, like, if you lift your head up, you're going to see something. So if it's about, like, connecting with people, and you got your head down all the time doing the work on your computer, you're not going to see the opportunity to, I don't know, go on a sales trip or meet with a new client or just connect with someone in another department. And if that's something that's important to you, just put your head up and then these opportunities to do the thing that's going to drive you and you're going to want to work at. And the thing about that is it kind of snowballs because you look for something that is going to bring you joy and then you do it. And because it's bringing you joy, you do an amazing job, and then people notice, and then they give you more opportunities to do mm-hmm. that, and that's where you really accelerate, and mm-hmm. the magic really happens. So we don't necessarily have to go golfing <laughs> with the, with the guys. I know that's a stereotype, yes. but really, it, 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 that's, it's so true. 
Yeah, I, I would say, like, with the the golfing is a st- – so the thing is, it's, like, if somebody invites you somewhere, you should absolutely go. So you probably should, if someone invites you to go golfing, go. But this is where I talk about is it women's jobs or is it a cultural issue? So the golfing is, like, yeah, like, today you might have to go. But if you look at it from a cultural perspective, it's, like, what other events could we have Right. to connect people and promote relationships. I think that's the way of looking at it from a cultural perspective. Looking at it from a women's perspective is like we need to give the women golf lessons so that they can go golfing with the men. Mm-hmm. But the other way of looking at it is like what other networking events could we create? So my next question is along this this line of thought. And in a, in a recent article you talk about um, – This is an article that you wrote yourself. I thought this was so interesting, and I've never, um, you know, I've never uh, read anyone putting it this way, but you talk about how women get sponsored at work, but women tend to get mentored. And can you tell me a little bit more about this? And it's not necessarily a good thing. This is something we need to... Yes. We need to recognize and work on. And this is something, okay, it's so interesting. So my entire career, I don't know about you, but did people tell you you needed to get a mentor when you were starting? Yes, even now. Even now, okay. Even now as an entrepreneur. So Tanya, how many hours, okay, as an entrepreneur, this is the perfect example. How many hours in the last three months have you spent in coffee shops? Oh, yeah, like uh, countless. You know, how many emails have we sent to, to other, you know, successful women? You know, can I pick your brain? Can, can I take you out for a coffee? But in the end, um, you know, it could be a great conversation and you might, you, you know, you're probably going to get some insight. And But at the end of the day, you need tactical, you need a tactical plan to achieve your goals and your dreams. And usually it doesn't come from those conversations. Yes. You might get some advice. You may, you know, you might get inspired. But, you know, in, in my experience, that, that was about it. Yeah, so that's like exactly you're falling into the trap, and that is where the gender stereotype shows up. And this is not anybody's fault. So it's not the women that you're meeting. It's not your own fault. It is unconscious bias. So it's how unconscious bias shows up in the workplace, in women Mm -hmm. building their careers. And it's this idea that women, it's like that stereotype of going out for coffee. It's like, oh, I need to tell you all the things. I'm going to tell you the stories. I'm going to give you all this advice. Maybe I'll even give you some names of people that you should connect with. But then at the end of the day, that mentoring meeting is, it's all on you, Tanya. You've got to figure out, okay, how am I going to get this person to open the email or pick up the phone or, you know, talk to that company? Like, who's going to open the door for me? It's all on you to figure that out. Mm -hmm. Whereas, stereotypically and this is based on social scientists so they studied how people rise into leadership how the world works so this is not my ambiguous observations it's based on academic evidence but for men it's like okay you want to learn about say you want to learn about sales um right so it's like okay bob junior person you want to learn about sales okay you know what i'm going for lunch with the vp of sales tomorrow just come along and then Mm -hmm. they're at that that lunch and it's like oh you want to learn about sales, you know what? The VP says, I'm visiting three customers this afternoon. Why don't you come along? And then on the third visit, the VP's like, you know what? The, the deck is 10 slides. Mm-hmm. Why don't you take the, the first three? I'll be here to back you up. Mm-hmm. I will step in if you need me, but you do it. And it's this idea that men are thrown into the situation, pushed out of their comfort zone into that risky situation where you learn 
on the job where you get that exposure and it goes back to this concept of social capital you build that social capital because in all in that story how many men have seen the potential of this junior person that's motivated right mm-hmm. so they have all this social capital all these people that know about them know that they're motivated know about their potential whereas the woman is back at her desk just looking at the computer being like how do i move this forward mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's really where we talk about, and that is based on evidence. So it's like, what can we do about this? And I really believe that knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as I started talking about this, people could immediately just visualize yeah. like this happening to them. And some different, so this is the perfect example, Tanya, of like us breaking the stereotype. Right. Right. So we met and we started with coffee <laughs> and you're like, I'm just getting started. I'm, I'm like, okay, what are you doing? I don't really know you. What's going on? And then you're like, Andrea, come on the podcast. Yep. Right. And it's taking a risk and it's giving me this opportunity and we're moving forward together. So that's right. kind of the difference. The other, like the alternative would be, we just keep going for coffee and talk about things and not moving each other forward. So I think right. the idea is if you want to get over that, and this is the idea of sponsorship is giving someone the opportunity mm-hmm. um, instead of just giving them advice. But one caveat I have to say, so that article, you're talking about it. I shared it with a friend of mine and I ran into her a couple of weeks ago. She's like, Andrea, I'm giving people all these opportunities. It's so great. And she said she um, introduced someone to like a CEO of a company. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. But I said, but before you did that, did you check to make sure the person was good? (laughs) You still have to be strategic. Right? You have to make sure that they're actually good. You don't want to just open doors for anybody. And so I think to really embrace this, you need to like take a moment and be like, instead of what advice can I give them, like slow down, close your mouth and be like, what do I need to know in order to align myself with them? Mm-hmm. And just get to know them a little bit more. And once you're comfortable with them, that they're good, that they could deliver, that go ahead, like push them, get them out there, introduce them to your connections, take them along with you. That's kind of the best way forward. That's great, great insight. I love this idea of sponsorship versus mentoring. Thank you. Andrea, what are your thoughts for anyone that's listening and is like, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this are going to be shaking their head in agreement. Oh my God, I've been there. I have been there. You know, I was the one, I was at a government desk for 10 years and I thought if I buried myself, got all my work done, you know, I would be recognized, you know, we've all been there. If anyone has that desire in them to, to take a leap, if they have other things in mind, if they want to change careers, if they want to advance their career, what's your first advice? You know, what's your first piece of advice to, to kind of knock them out of their comfort zone? Because we all get can get stuck in that zone. Oh, 100%. Me too. Me as well. So it happens to everybody. It's totally normal. I think the first thing to do is really answer that question. What drives your ambition? Right. That's that it. is real. like figure out what it is and then start writing things down. And then the other key is to take action right away. So I always tell my clients, we end every coaching call with, what are you going to do in 24 hours? So you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have like this five-year plan before you get started. So say it is like, you know what, I'm, I'll use your example. I am working for the government. I'm not happy. I'm buying, I'm buried in work. I'm not moving forward. It's like, okay, you figure out what drives your ambition. And then what can you do in the next day? So it could be like, you know what, I'm going to book a meeting with my boss to talk about 
Mm-hmm. future career options, and I'm going to bring to the table that this is something that I need. So say it is I need to be contributing to a big team. That's You you figure out that that's what drives your ambition, and right now you're just working by yourself all the time. I'm going to have that conversation with my boss tomorrow that about the fact that I really feel like I need to be contributing to something bigger. That's what's going to drive me, what opportunities are out there. So that tiniest first step is the best thing that you can do. Or if it's like leaving, it's like maybe I'm going to – find someone that I can talk to about other industries or maybe I'm just going to open my mind or it could be as simple as I'm thinking about leaving I'm going to look at my bank account and see (laughs) look at the finance like is leave is this an option and it's just like that tiniest first step is what's going to make it clear what the second step is because I think people get really overwhelmed with the idea that you have to have it all figured out Mm-hmm. before you get started, but start before. Just start because by starting, it will make the next step right. clear. Just do something. Just do anything, yeah. anything. So uh, I recently saw you on uh, CTV, Miss TV Star. <laughs> um, I loved your interview. Um, and, you know, one of the things that really stood out to me was you said it is so important to write things down. Um, why is that? So it's just, so going back, I love academic studies. So going back to academic studies, there's a study that st- that looked at people who wrote down their goals and people who didn't write down their goals. And what they found was you're 42% more likely to achieve them if you write them down. Like, that is staggering to me. Right? But right. so many people don't write them they down. Don't. They yeah. don't. And it's this idea that you keep it in your head. And when you get it out of your head, it makes it real. And it also forces you to take action because you're committing to something. Mm -hmm. So when it's just in your head, you're like, okay, I want to do that. But then it's not real. And it's, again, it's that figuring out that first step. So if you get it out of your head on paper, then it helps you figure out the next step. So it's really like that idea of just getting started. And the other thing about writing down your goals is writing down the wrong goal is actually a really good thing. Mm, why? So, because when you get it out and you see it on paper and you start with that tiny first step, you're going to know if it's right. the wrong goal. So with my clients, with my one-on-one coaching clients, we always write down the goals in the first session. And I would say 90% of the time, by the second session or the third session, we change them. Because I'm like, is this what you want to work towards? Is this where you want me to help you go to? And it's like mm-hmm. forcing them to answer that question, yes, this is the direction that I want to go, by seeing it on paper. Like, we could talk about it, but then as soon as they see it on paper and they need to kind of sign off on it, that this is where we're, what we're going to achieve during the coaching. It, it makes it real. They're like, oh, mm-hmm. no, that doesn't feel right. And then I'm like, okay, what does? And mm-hmm. then they're able to see what the real goal is. But if you don't get it out of your head, you're going to get stuck in analysis paralysis and you're never going to get started. Mm. I absolutely love putting pen to paper, and I always have. I'm old school that way. It's great. And <laughs> I think, like, even today, like, we're so distracted. Like, there's so many places for us to write things down on our computers, and we're on the screen all the time, and we don't have that focus. So, really, when you write it down, it's, like, two minutes that you're writing it down for yourself and setting right. that intention for only yourself, not for other people's expectations. But as soon as we're on a computer or on a screen, it's like our attention is divided. Mm-hmm. Speaking of writing things down, you have authored an absolutely beautiful journal called Ambitious Every Day. Can you tell us a little bit about that and where we can buy it? Yeah, so it is. Um, so it actually started, one of my clients was the inspiration for it. So I have a 
coaching program, a group coaching program, and there's a workbook. And I was meeting with her in Halifax. We were sitting right outside Purdy's Wharf, drinking coffee on these beautiful Muskoka chairs, looking at the ocean, mm-hmm. and we're just connecting and catching up. And she said, Andrea, I love the workbook from your coaching program. I keep using it. I just go back and I re-answer the questions and it helps me to focus. It helps me feel more confident. It helps me to keep moving forward, even though the coaching program was over. And I thought, oh my goodness, she has turned this into a journal. That is brilliant. So I thought, you know what? I need to make a journal. And so what I did is I just took the coaching programs. Like I took the questions that I take my clients through in coaching and I turned it into a journal and I wanted to make it approachable. So I hired an artist to actually draw Mm -hmm. it and bring it to life visually so that people can do it and it's fun and it's not so serious. So you don't have to take Mm -hmm. yourself too seriously and you can do it every day. So it's really to help people to, you know, get out of their head, figure out what ambition means to you Mm -hmm. and then take a step every day to fuel your ambition and then just check in with yourself because you know what? Things change, right? And if you're going down a path and it's not the right path, that's great. Mm -hmm. There's questions to help you reflect, like, how am I feeling today? If you decide that you want to go in a direction and you think that's the right way, there's a question like, how ambitious did I feel yesterday? And if you're at a one, maybe if you keep doing it and you keep feeling like you're at a one all the time, maybe that was the wrong goal. That was the wrong direction. And it just gives you that accountability to figure out what the next thing is going to be. Is it available for purchase on your website? Yeah, so you can get it on my website, andreajensen.com. Jansen with a Z. Yeah, Jansen with a Z, um, with a Z. And you can also get, there's 11 pages, a PDF that you can get for free to just try it out as well. So you, my friend, are also a podcast host. Yes. So your podcast is called Diversity at Work. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so it's it's about unpacking what it's really going to take to close the gender gap in the workplace. So it's really a place where we explore. So it's not that I have it all figured out because I don't think the truth is I don't think anybody does. So I have people who are working towards figuring this out and we have conversations about what companies can do, what people can do to promote diversity and inclusion in the workplace. Okay. Can you tell me about ambition theory? Yeah. So ambition theory is... The new name of my company, so we're moving into the direction. So I've been a solopreneur for the entire time I've been an entrepreneur, and now it's time for the business to scale. So it's more about building it into a company, and we want to serve our clients at a deeper level. So we want to be able to serve bigger clients. Mm -hmm. So when we have a big company, we want to have the resources to be able to serve them on a deeper level. So I'm building up my team. Mm -hmm. Uh, The company is going to be called Ambition Theory, and there's lots of exciting things coming out in the next couple months. That is wonderful. Congratulations to you. Oh, thanks, Tanya. I have one more question, and i it's the same question I ask all of my guests, and that is, is there a book that you recommend currently? Oh, that... And it could be a book, and it could, but it could be a, a quote that you, you know, kind of live by or whatever. That's a really great question. So I would say a book that I'm reading right now that my husband is actually reading as well, it's called Couples That Work. And it's really, a, it's an evidence-based book. I love <laughs> everything evidence-based. And uh, it's this woman, she researched couples, dual career couples, and really figured out what does it take for them to thrive in their relationship and at work. So that book is by 
um, Jennifer Petroglieri. Okay. I'll give you the name so you can put it in the description. <laughs> I would say that book. And then another book that I love and I go back to all the time is called Positive Intelligence by mm. Shirzad Shamin. And it's really that mindset piece about help that helps you get out of your comfort zone. And it teaches you the steps that you can take to actually push back that fear and be able to go to that place where the magic really happens and Thank do you. hard things. A couple of excellent recommendations. Andrea, you are awesome. I'm so glad that we went for that coffee. Um, I wish you continued success in your entrepreneurial journey and, you know, helping to close that gender gap. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Tanya. This is awesome. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We appreciate you tuning in. This podcast is produced by Tanya Shadrawi and Michael Boyd through the facilities of Podcast Atlantic. We'd love for you to be part of our conversations. If you'd like to drop us a line, please go to tanyamedia.com. Or if you know of someone who should be on our show that's from our very cool part of the world here in Atlantic Canada, we'd love to hear your ideas. You can subscribe to Beyond Our Borders on iTunes and most Android podcast platforms. Until the next conversation.